The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. It's good to uh, be back here. We, my wife and I, our children, we love being here. Uh, the time we were back, be back for a short furlough. And I uh, appreciate uh, your, your hospitality. Um, let's look to the Lord in prayer before we open up his word. Um, Father, I thank you, Lord, for uh, Lord saving, um, saving us, Lord. We are so unworthy. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness to unders- undeserving sinners. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you for all that you do in our lives, all the people that you've brought into our lives to influence us for the cause of Christ. Lord, I thank you for um, Pastor Smith and bringing him many years ago from Kentucky to this part of Sonoma County. And Lord, meeting the, the spiritual needs in this area. Lord, thank you for allowing our family right now to serve you in Beijing, China. Lord, thank you for the exciting work that we have in, in living for Jesus, walking with you, and being part of a work that has eternal value. And Father, I pray as we have this time to worship you, to magnify and exalt you together, Lord, we thank you for the written word of God that's alive, it's powerful. Lord, help us to rightly divide the right of truth. And not just be a hearer, but be a doer. Please work during this hour, and Lord, we pray that you would bind the wicked one. Lord, I know there's a deceiver that's out there that wants to devour any spiritual seed that's sown. We pray you bind him. Pray the word of the Lord would truly have free course. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, if you take your Bibles this morning and look at Second Corinthians chapter four, Second Corinthians chapter four. Appreciate the music here as well. And the fellowship that we have in the gospel. You know, I know living here in the Bay Area, it's getting more and more challenging. Um, it, it's, the cost of living here is expensive, isn't it? <clears throat> wow. So I know it's not easy if you take a vacation to visit us in China, <laughs> to save up that money to go. Um, but I uh, appreciate you, everyone being faithful here. Uh, it's not easy. Someone just mentioned to me, I guess some law was passed recently, and there's more and more, I guess, vineyards. Growing up wine country, I, I thought that was just usually in Napa, but I guess they're moving up around this area, these parts as well. And uh, but our, our God is greater, Amen. He's greater, okay. Greater is He that's in you than than He that's in the world. Uh, let's stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, Second uh, Corinthians chapter four. We'll read the verse seven. I don't think I'm gonna have time to go. Through all the verses, we might finish it uh, this afternoon. Thank you, Pastor Smith and church family, for being willing to move up the service to four. Uh, it's 
for, to accommodate our family as we conclude and then drive back up to the San Francisco area. I appreciate that. Second Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll just read the verse 7, but we'll, I'll probably only could preach the verse 4, but we'll reach the verse 7. Okay, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but having renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not, work, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And not of us. Um, thank you. You may be seated. As we look at chapter 4 here, it starts out with the word, therefore, and I've heard someone say, when you, every time we see the word therefore, you need to, see, you need to find out why is it there. <laughs> what is it there for? So therefore, see, we have this ministry. We have, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Now, what ministry is Paul talking about here? Seeing we have this ministry, what is this ministry that we can see that should be very apparent or obvious? Uh, as we look in the previous verses in chapter number 3, uh, verse number 12, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And that's a blessing. <laughs> okay, we don't, it's not a mystery or something that we really analyze to figure out, but plainness of speech. Um, <clears throat> we're not beating around the bush. Okay, plainness of speech. Uh, verse 13, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil was done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And as we read here, now some of us, I know we hear some good Bible teaching and preaching in this church, a Berean Baptist church, and you have a wonderful pastor that preaches the Word of God faithfully every week. And here, as we look at the story here, what is this talking about, this veil that Moses had? Who could help me with the background here? You know, when Moses, he, he went up to a mountain called Sinai, and when he went up there, he ended up spending 40 days and 40 nights there, the Lord gave him the plan on how to build the, the tabernacle, which is how the children of Israel worshiped God in the Old Testament. But being there for those 40 days and 40 nights, the Shekinah glory of God was just upon Moses. And when he came down from the mountain, what happened? I mean, his face was just, it was, it was brighter than the sun. Now, how many of us, now I don't suggest we do this, but how many of us have ever looked into the sun directly, into the sunlight? If you did, you probably won't staring at the sun because you'll, you'll just you'll go blind. It probably hurt your eye. 
Now, for the children of Israel, when they saw Moses, who was with God, now God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And so when they saw Moses' face shone, they're like, whoa, they had to put a veil over the face of Moses. Now, what's saying here is that there's a veil over people's hearts. They're blind. They can't see. But now you and I, because we've turned to the Lord and we have the Spirit of Christ living in us, we're able to now see and understand God's love and God's grace and God's will for our lives. Amen? And we have, we have this, this ministry. And how do we have this ministry? We who can see now, we need to help others who cannot see and bring them unto the Lord. So here, if you look at it carefully, look at the, the, the word here. It says in verse number uh, 15, uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, but even un- unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. It's, it's, it's like that veil. It's, it's, it covers their heart where they can't comprehend. They don't understand. Okay? Um, but if you look at verse number 16, nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, I don't have a veil here, but if you have a veil, you cover the Bible. Can you see, can you, can you see the Bible? If there's a veil, a covering? We can't see it, can we? Okay, but here it's so important here, verse number 16, Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, when people's hearts are able to, willing to turn to the Lord, Jesus Christ, that's when they're able to see, because he's light, he wants to shine in our darkened hearts. We see that in chapter 4 of uh, verse number, if you look at verse number 6 there, For God who command the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He wants us to understand our need for Jesus Christ to be our Savior. Now, we have this ministry to be the ambassador for Christ to help people reconcile with God. And that's talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 later on in this epistle to the Corinthian church. But as you look at verse number 1 in chapter 4, seeing, therefore seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Now, we need to define what, what is mercy. How would we define mercy? How would we define mercy? It's something worth, worth thinking about, considering. Okay, mercy. Uh, let me just share a story here that it's never happened to me in my life. And I could, I'll tell you in a little bit as far as my heart uh, regarding this idea of mercy. But let's, let's define the word mercy biblically first. Look at Psalm 103, 103, 103, verse 8 to 10. 103, verse 8 to 10. Psalm 103, verse 8 to 10. Here is a good biblical definition of mercy. And how does mercy differ, how is it different than grace? Okay. Psalm 103, verse 8 to 10. Here, Psalm 103, verses 8 to 10. Here, we see the Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. So here, as we see in Psalm 103, verse 8 to 10, what is the biblical definition of mercy? Here, it's very clear here in verse number 10. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our inequities. How should God deal with you and I? How should he treat us? 
I mean, what should we deserve? What should be coming to you and I as sinners who have broken his law, his commandments? Right? We deserve punishment. We deserve death. We deserve eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. We deserve God's wrath upon our sins. Yes? Is that right? Okay. But, boy, we receive mercy. We have this ministry. Now, here's another wonderful word. How do, you, how do we define ministry? We have this ministry. See, we have this ministry. And we have received mercy. What is ministry? I know we're in church a lot. We hear these words. But it's always good to kind of take a t- step back a little bit, take a deep breath, and think, boy, do I know what I'm talking about? Mercy. Ministry. What, is, what, is, what does it mean? And how do we explain this to the unchurched? How do we explain this to people who have never, ever heard the gospel before? Have no idea who Moses is, what the Ten Commandments are. Why is there Old Testament? Why is there a New Testament, Old and New Testament? They have no clue, no idea. How do we help people with this type of background? Ministry. Now, ministry, as defined by uh, Warren Worsby, he said this, ministry takes place when divine resources... Not just any resources, but when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. I'm going to say this again. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Now, we we see, let's go back for a moment here. So, we, we have mercy defined biblically. He had not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. See, we have this ministry. We have received mercy. 2 Corinthians 4. Now, as we go back there, let me also give another example of mercy here. And if I tell you these stories, you'll be be shocked because you probably haven't experienced this type of mercy before. I remember when I was in Southern California, I was traveling around with with a missionary. He's in Japan right now. And I remember we were visiting a family, and he was driving, and he, and he was driving faster than the speed limit. He was speeding. A police officer or a CHP, something like highway patrol officer, pulled him aside and says, you know, uh, can you turn off the engine, and I need to see your, your driver's license, your ID. And uh, this, this young man, he was, uh, he actually, I forget what town, he, he, tra- he had his training in Oklahoma, so I think he had an out-of-state license. And he looked at his license. And I, I don't, this is, this, this is amazing, okay? Just, just brace yourself, okay? He looks at his license, and he says, you know, um, you, you, need to, you need to be a safer driver, and you need to slow down a little bit. He gave him back his license, and he let him go. Did you hear that? He let him go. I have never had that happen to me. <laughs> never. I mean, that, that man, that was merciful. I mean, you know, they, well, I don't know about these days, but, you know, he had a radar. I mean, he could clock them saying, you're going, you're driving beyond the speed limit. You're breaking the law here. And this CSP officer was merciful. He didn't give him the law. He could have given him a fine, right? He just, he let him go. I was, I was next to him. I thought, what? <laughs> no, no, don't get me wrong. In my heart, I was happy for him, but in my heart, I was also a little bit jealous. That's never happened to me. And I remember another day, I was with another young man, he, he came to Bible college, and he was from Washington State, and we were out visiting uh, his bus route, and you know what happened? He was also speeding as well! And another highway bishop officer pulled him aside, and he saw his out-of-state license from Washington State, 
He says, young man, you, you, need to, you need to drive a little bit safer and you need to slow down. He gave him back his license and that was it. Not once. And I'm not even exact. Two times. I saw some, I was in the car. My friend was speeding. And I don't know why. I mean, I don't think my friends were even that good looking. But they let him go. How many of us here really have ever experienced this mercy? Have you had that before? You've had that mercy? Wow. Wow. God bless you. <laughs> have some of you had that? Oh, that's an amazing story. Now, what did, what did we do? Did we, did we go back and tell our friends? I mean, I've, again, okay, there's other people who can testify that this does happen. This still happens today. That's never happened to me before. And, but anyway, praise the Lord for, uh, that it does happen. They were, they were giving mercy. They were giving mercy. Okay? They didn't deal with this according to the law that, that we broke. But here, um, aren't you glad that there's something a lot more severe than a speeding ticket? You know, we are under the death penalty. The wage of sin is death. The soul that sinned, it shall die. And although this body of flesh may die one day, death is but a humble servant that brings us to the presence of the Lord in heaven. Amen? But we have this mercy. We faint not. We're not faint-hearted. We're not discouraged. In verse 2, it changes our lives. Now, there are some who, unfortunately, they are wolves in sheep clothing. Look at verse number 2. But we have renounced the hidden, you know, we speak against the, the hidden things of dishonesty, nor walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Did you know that there are people worldwide that are mishandling the word of God deceitfully for maybe monetary gain? I mean, I don't know how many Bible versions there are in English alone. And so many Bible scholars can't even tell you how to translate a verse, what, what words you should use, or what verses should even be in the Bible. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. In the sight of God. So we see mercy defined biblically from Psalm 103, verse 8 to 10. God has not dealt with us according to our sins or rewards according to our iniquities. And we ought to be thankful, amen? That's more exciting than, hey, you won't believe it. I got pulled over today, but the, the highway patrol officer let me off the hook. He gave me mercy. Right? But you know what would be more impressive? And this would be really impressive. Would be more impressive? If the, highway, the same highway patrol officer said, you know what, I know that you broke the law, but hey, let me write you a check. I'll, I'll, pay, I'll pay that fine for you. That would be even more impressive. Have you experienced that? I mean, that, that, wow, that would be amazing. Right? I mean, you broke the law, and I'm supposed to enforce it, and hey, I, I, I will enforce it, but I will just, hey, let me write this check for you. I'll, I'll cover that fine for you. But you know, that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. When you and I, we broke his law again and again and again. In fact, our world is almost like we're on the accelerator, pressing the accelerator to sin, and they don't put the brakes on. Isn't that right? Because they don't know to put the brakes on, or they don't think they need to put the brakes on. This is accelerating to more and more sin. And they don't realize, I'm under God's wrath. I'm condemned already. And then I want to turn around and turn to Jesus Christ. Change directions. And that's just, this is why God has left you and I here for. Is this, is this Carson? I'm sorry. I, I clapped my hand. I don't know what happened to the speaker, but it's okay. Uh, if you look at verse number three and four, probably the rest of the time we'll, we'll look at these verses here before lunchtime. 
Verse number two, most important thing is in the sight of God, in the sight of God. We don't do this for, to put on a show uh, to please men. Verse number three and four here. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Now let's go back to, this, go back to a few words here. Gospel. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? Thank you. It is the good news. What's the good news? Okay, let's, let's try to, let's work together. Okay, what is this good news here? It's not, and I'll, I'll do this, okay, this is important that I, that I show this. Okay, um, my brother bought this for me a couple years ago. There's Chinese on here. Okay, all right, okay. In Chinese, this, this says champions in Chinese, okay. Now, some people think this is good news. In fact, they think this is such good news, they'll go to a parade in Oakland, Okay. And say, well, good news, our team won. Hasn't been 40 years. That was 2015, right? That's their good news. Okay? Someone still signed a contract for millions of dollars just to throw an orange ball to a little basket, right? There's a hole in that basket. <laughs> okay? All right? So, but, you know, I mean, it's, that's the idea of good news, right? Now, you know, I remember in, they lost in 2016, so some of, some of us probably didn't want to wear this one. Okay, and then, but hey, but don't worry. My brother bought me another one this year. Okay, all right, 2017. Just don't, don't worry about 2016. Doesn't matter, right? But so, what is the good news? And you know, it may be quote unquote good news to you know basketball fans here in the Bay Area. Is it good news to Cleveland? You see, I mean, when we get excited about the good news, what is the good news? The good news is, is good news for America, it's good news for China, it's good news for Africa. Amen? See, hey, this is good news. We won, but they lost. And hey, it's good news. I'm glad I'm saved, but there are a lot of people who are lost. Is that right? What is the good news? It is. But what, 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 who is he and what did he do? Okay, let's go to, we're in 2 Corinthians, go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. The good news is that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. That's why we've seen that song, And Can It Be. Isn't that an amazing song? Because, you know, there's so many people, even the tragedy of 9-11, that's, I can't believe how many years have gone by since 9-11. It's 2001. Then you have people that really thought that they're dying for whoever they believe to be God and saying that I'm going to give my life for this cause in 9-11, those terrorist attack, and they're screaming whatever they're screaming in a different tongue, a different language, thinking that this, they're, they're serving a great purpose. But we don't die for God. But God died for you and I to pay our, our fine. It is not because of speeding, but the death penalty. It's amazing. But if you look at what is the good news? So we, number one, the gospel is who is Jesus Christ? Isn't that that veil? Don't most people in this world, they have no idea who Jesus is? In fact, to most people, Jesus has become a nothing but a, like a curse word. Is that right? I mean, people think it's cool. 
Hollywood, all these movies, TV shows, not that I, I watch the stuff. I mean, it's, it's sickening. But people, you know, people in China use, take the Lord's name in vain. Why? Because they're watching movies coming from here. And they have no idea what they're saying. This is, that's a cool thing to say in English. That's a tragedy. That our, our name, our, our, the name of our Lord and Savior, our God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, has been reduced to foul language. That's blasphemy. But the gospel is, we understand who Jesus is. He's God. He's the second person of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. At least we are one. Amen? We understand this. So we understand, boy, uh, uh, amazing love and how can it be that thou, my God, shouldest die for me? It was God who died on the cross. You know, that's more impressive, really, than a, than a highway patrol officer to say, you know, I know you're speeding, but hey, let me, write a ch- let me write a check and pay that fine for you. I will enforce the law, but I'll pay it for you. Because that highway patrol officer, he's not perfect himself, amen? Have you ever seen police officers and highway patrol officers speed as well? <laughs> but Jesus, who knew no sin, had no sin at all. We'll get to the verse here. First, first Corinthians, first, uh, first Corinthians 15, uh, verse number 3 and 4. This is the gospel. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for. See, this is, it's good news, but this is why it, sometimes we hide this good news. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them who are lost. This is very offensive. Died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This is the gospel in a nutshell. And why is this offensive? You know, I, I was talking about Brother Lee Hao, uh, Brother Lee, who is now uh, teaching adult Sunday school while I, I, we're on furlough. I don't know if I almost forgot this, I'll be honest with you. I thank God he was sharing his testimony during Christmas uh, last year. But he, told, he shared this with me. And again, he doesn't, he's, he's introverted, but he said this in front of our church, and we had some guests that day. And it was Christmas Sunday, after all. And he said this. He says, you know, the first time I came to church, he says, Pastor Wong took me aside after he, I, he had already heard preaching. And I went over a survey with him, asked him a couple of questions, and he was offended by that time. I think I, spent, I talked to him for about 30, 40 minutes. He was offended by what I said, because I, I told him, I, I confronted him about this, this reality that we're all sinners. We're sinners. He didn't like that message. And you know, he, 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 he really didn't like that message. He didn't come back to our church in almost over a year, even though his wife and his son would, would constantly beg him to come to church with them. He was offended. I, had no, I forgot about that, to be honest with you. And I remember I thought, boy, Lord, was I, was I, was I wrong in, 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 in talking to him after he already heard preaching? We had lunch together, and I sat him down after lunch, went over the survey, talked to him for about another 30, 40 minutes. But he was offended, and he said that. I, f- I forgot, what, but he, during Christmas Sunday, before he got baptized, he showed his testimony and said, and after that, actually, he didn't like me. He said that. He said, he said I, I don't like that pastor on there. He offended me, and he didn't go to church for a while. But I'm glad the Lord saved his soul. 
and and now he's 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 uh, he's, he's preaching his word. But you know, you, you, if our gospel be hid, that will, you know, let's go back. If our gospel be hid, let's go back to Second uh, Corinthians four. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. It is good news. But why is it hard to sometimes share the gospel? Why do we hide the gospel? You know, at times I know in our home when we, we have a, a gift for, for our children, we would we, buy their, their gifts uh, before their birthday. We hide it from them, right? Because let's give them a pleasant surprise. They can't play with this yet. Or they can't read this book yet. We're going to hide it from them. And then when the time comes, when it's Christmas, when it's their birthday, here you go. Happy birthday. Merry Christmas. Right? But the gospel here, Paul says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Now, for those of you who already know the gospel, I'm not hiding anything from you because you already know it, right? But you have this veil, there's a covering, a cloth, you can't see it. But the question that comes down to you, who's hiding what from whom? And Paul says, if, there's a clause there, a condition, if. The gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Are you and I, are we hiding the gospel from some people? Now, I know sometimes you think, you know, when you're in China, there's some communist officials and maybe there's some police officers. Okay, maybe that's the time and maybe you're not going to be so outgoing, outspoken unless you want to start a prison ministry. And I can understand that. But, you know, if our gospel be, okay, that's, okay, I can understand that. But I don't think here in Sonoma County, at least it hasn't gotten that point in this country, where if we share the gospel with someone and they take it the wrong way, that you, you're behind bars somewhere. I don't know. It, it might come to that point. You might lose your job. That's a possibility. I understand that as well. But what are some if our gospel be hid, it is hid in them that are lost. Now, have you ever been lost before? You know, it's not a good feeling. I know we live in a day where we have GPS, but sometimes GPS, if you don't update it, it could be a problem. Okay? But when people are lost, they don't know where they're going. And, and a, a dear sister came up to me this morning after Sunday school class, asked me, do people in China realize that materialism and money, in the end, they're still very, very empty, and they, and they want to seek something, something even religious or something of faith? And you know, there are a lot of people that they are lost and they have no idea why they exist. I remember our last Sunday before we left for, uh, for furlough, uh, a, a dear young lady who's, has, she's just, she's, she's willing to explore something. And she says, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know the meaning of life. I don't even know why I'm here. You know, I work and I'm trying to make money and I guess if I make more money I can travel. And another lady comes to our church off and on. She's trying to get citizenship to Canada. She thinks if she goes to Canada, her life will be better. But boy, they're lost. They have no clue how to find the way, the truth, and the life. And yet God has revealed it to us. And we have this ministry of mercy and of bearing the good news. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them are lost. Who's hiding the gospel? It's an important question to, to answer, to think about. Who's hiding it? Is God hiding the gospel? Because I'm going to hide the gospel. Because I only have a certain amount of people I want, I want to know the gospel to be saved. Is God hiding it? I don't think he's hiding it. If our gospel is hidden, then we're lost. 
But look at verse number 4 here. In whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So we define the gospel. It's the good news that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, and that he was buried, he rose again the third day according to scriptures. He died for our sins, not for his own, but ours, ours. Christ died, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. But some of us are hiding the gospel. And sometimes we hide it because, as Paul says, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. Romans 1.16. But sometimes we might hide it because either we're not sure how to present it, we're afraid people ask questions we don't know how to answer those questions, or we're afraid to share it because it is offensive. I mean, we need to stop and think about it for a moment here. Okay, even with people that we know are family members. I mean, it is not easy for someone to admit, I'm a sinner, I'm a criminal in God's eyes, I don't deserve a monetary fine, I don't deserve jail time, I deserve the death penalty and eternal separation locked up in not just any prison. Some prisons here are pretty nice in California. Okay, I'm not talking about air conditioning, food. I'm talking about you're in a lake of fire where there's not even a drop of water there to cool our tongues. Is that right? But how many people, they sit there and say, this is good news. You're offending me. I want to hear this. I've never spent 10 seconds in in, in a jail cell. You're telling me that I deserve the death death penalty and go to Lake of Fire? You're crazy. And they reject our message. So we say, I'll hide it. I don't want to present this because it's offensive and I I don't want people looking at me. There are reasons. But if Jesus was willing to take all the, the mockings and people were cursing him on the cross, dying for our sins, so that we, we, we might be saved, we need to present the gospel. Amen? He wants us to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Look at verse number 4 here. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Who is blinding whom? Who's blinding whom here? Yeah, the God of this world, it's lowercase g, is that right? So the God of this world, he's blinding the minds of them which believe not. Now this is kind of interesting. This gets a little bit complicated here. If you look at back in chapter 3, look at, verse, look at chapter 3 here. Chapter 3. We look at verse 14. But their minds were blinded. Past tense. Is that correct? For unto, unto this day remained the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. So here's a question that's kind of confusing here. In verse 14 of chapter 3, their minds were already blinded. So if they're already blinded, then why does the God of this world still have to blind them? Ooh, how do you answer that? You see the song Amazing Grace, right? Uh, how does that song go? Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Twas blind, but now I see. Now, question. We were blind. 
how can we see now spiritually? How does our mind get enlightened to the gospel? We understand what good news is. It's not the, the Golden State Warriors winning another NBA championship two and three years. It's not I lost a job and now I end up getting a better job. So if we're already blind, we see that in chapter fourteen, verse number uh, chapter three, verse number fourteen. Then why is the God of this world still have to blind us some more? What's the logic in that? It's like Satan. Hello, they're already blind. You know, you don't need to blind them some more. They're already blind already. I mean, if someone's blind, you need to put out a blindfold over their eyes, or they're blind already. Have you ever thought about that? To be honest, with you, I never gave much thought till the Lord's been working my heart in this lesson here. I realized. What is that? They're, they're blinded already. They already have a veil on their hearts. It's, like, it's a veil, a cloth. It's already covering. They don't even understand the Old Testament. Is that right? And now the God of this world, he says, I still want to blind them. What does that mean? They're blind already, and the, and the God of this world still wants to blind them some more. <clears throat> Verse 4. In whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, how do we understand this verse now? Does God want everyone to see? And does God want his light to shine upon everyone who has a veil on their hearts? Let's look at a few verses here um, before in closing here. <clears throat> Look at um, Exodus chapter chapter um, seven. Exodus seven. Exodus seven, and then we'll close. And we'll have to pick it up again in the afternoon. So God was blinding them. Okay, it's interesting. I thought they were blind already. Why does He still want to blind them some more? Can someone be more blind than they already are? Exodus 7. Look at Exodus 7. Look at uh, chapter, uh, Exodus chapter 7, verse number 13 and 14. Exodus chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Here it says, And he hardened Pharaoh's heart. That pronoun he is talking about the Lord. He hardened Pharaoh's heart that he, that he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuseth to let the people go. Look at chapter 9 of Exodus. Chapter 9. Exodus 9. Look at verse number 12. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. So here, who hardened Pharaoh's heart? God did. Okay, he did. It's very clear there. There's no question. Okay, it's very plain. Look at chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 20. Exodus, chapter 10, verse number 20. Chapter 10, verse number 20. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go. So who hardened Pharaoh's heart? God did. Very clear. I mean, it's no, it's no point arguing. God, God did that for a purpose. Okay? Now look at um, look at chapter chapter nine chapter nine verse number sixteen. Okay, let me let me let me just look at this purpose here, the comprehensive purpose here. Okay, chapter nine verse number sixteen. 
It says here, in, in, in very deed, for this cause have I raised thee up, for the show in thee my power, that my name may be declared throughout where? All the earth. Not mostly all the earth. Now, let me explain this for, for the sake of time that we have. I know we're getting hungry. I'm getting hungry. Okay? But here, God's talking to Pharaoh here he, through Moses. He raised up Pharaoh to be the mighty king of Egypt there. He says, I raised you up. I put you in this position. And what was this cause for? He, to show in thee my power. Now, how many plagues did, did Jehovah God rain down upon Egypt? Ten. So when he hardened his heart, it was so that all ten plagues would come down. Ten. Not three plagues, five plagues, seven plagues, nine. Ten. He hardened it and hardened it and hardened it. So all the plagues will, will come down. So the, the whole world will see how devastated Egypt was after God judged Egypt and Pharaoh. Do we understand this? Because the Israelites, they had no power to free themselves from, from Egypt from slavery. Is that right? No power whatsoever. So all ten came out. says, I raised thee up to show thee my power. Ten plagues. One, two, three. Plague after plague after plague. So all the world may know. Uh, so this may be declared through all. My name may be declared through all, through all the earth. Look at chapter 10. Look at chapter 10. Chapter 10, look at verse number 3. Chapter 10, verse number 3. In chapter 10, verse number 3, it says this, And Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me, and let my people go, that they may serve me? What an interesting question. I said, wait a minute, this, is, this is, seems to be contradicting, you're contradicting yourself. Lord, didn't you harden his heart? If you harden his heart, how do you expect him to humble himself? Well, it's, it's still, it's, it's, that's still in the Bible as well. God hardened his heart, but there was a time when he says, Hey, I want you, why, don't you, why don't you humble yourself? At this time, there were, there were a number of plagues. I think it was plague number four that I already dropped on, on Egypt. He still didn't humble himself. And then if you look at another verse, look at chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 15. Chapter 8, verse number 15. Chapter 8, verse 15. Chapter 8, verse 15. And I forget what number of plague this is, but this is the plague of the frogs. I think it's number three, I think. Uh, Exodus 8, verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, is that how you pronounce it? Respite? Respite? How do you pronounce that? Respite? Right? Respite? He hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. So in verse 15, who hardened, who hardened whose heart? Pharaoh hardened his own heart here. So look, he hardened his own heart. So, there's, so both is true. God hardened his heart at times, and he hardened his own heart here. He said, why? Because when Moses prayed, the frogs left. He says, oh, the frogs are gone again. Oh, that's good. And he didn't repent. He says, oh, the frogs are gone. Okay, fine. No, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let Israel go. He got hardened again. And the last verse before we have lunch, Exodus 18, ex, I'm sorry, uh, Psalm 95, Psalm 95. And we'll be in closing. And the question we have, hope we understand mercy, hope we're thankful that God has not dealt with us according to our sins, rewarders for our inequities. This is worth shouting about, worth telling everyone about, not just a, a patrol officer pulled me over and didn't give me a ticket. This is God was going to give me a ticket, but God in His grace, His kindness for me undeserved, He paid my fine for me. He died for my sins, our sins. Praise the Lord for that.
Uh, look at Psalm 95. Psalm 95. We have this ministry, okay, divine resources, meeting human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Psalm 95. Psalm 95 here. In verse 7 to 9. Psalm 95, verse 7 to 9 here. Are you okay? Psalm 95, verse 7 to 9. I mean, 7 to 11, and then we'll close. Okay, Psalm 95. Here you go, verse uh, 7 through 11 there. For he is our God, and we are the, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, <clears throat> and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye will hear his voice, verse 8, harden not your heart as in the day of provocation. As in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do ear in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear by in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. So here God is still saying, Hey, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. As Pharaoh, in one instance, in Exodus 8, verse 15. There was, risp- there was respite, and he hardened, his, he hardened his heart. And so here, people are blind, yet the devil still wants to blind them, so when the gospel is presented, they can't see it. Does that, does that make sense? They can't see it. But God is not doing the, that portion. It, it, he does harden whom he will, but that second aspect is, are we hiding the gospel? It's the light. We already have the devil that's trying to blind it when we do try to shine that light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But later on in Matthew 5, he says, ye are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Are we shining? No one lights a candle and stick and then hides it under a table, right? A bushel. And so, uh, are, are we hiding the gospel from the lost? Do we appreciate God's mercy? Do we appreciate His grace and the, and the good news? that we have come to see and understand, and he's enlightened us. Are we sharing the gospel faithfully, as the Lord would have us to? It, it is offensive, and that's why I believe sometimes, boy, we're, we're afraid to, to share it. We hide it. But we need, to, we need to share it. We need to share our faith of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. And it is good news. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand for prayer. And then we'll... To lunch, and then pastor will close in prayer. Uh, Father, we pray, Lord uh, God, that we would look at these different terms, whether it be the idea of mercy and ministry, and really consider, uh, Lord, the significance. And Father, we pray, Lord, that we would, as Paul says, not be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God and salvation to the Jew first, and also the Greek. It's to everyone that believeth. Lord, we know that people are. As Moses, in his day, they were blinded. People don't even understand the Old Testament. But Lord, help us do our part, Lord, not hide the gospel of them who are lost and know how to present the good news. And Lord, we know that as we present it, it does have power, but we know there's an enemy. The little G, God of this world, also wants to continue to keep people blind so they don't understand or see the light of the gospel, the truth. And know that Jesus is not a curse word, He's not just any other prophet. He is the Son of God. He's God the Son. He's the only Savior. And so, Lord, we pray, God, that you'd use us to be a faithful gospel witness in these last days.
Lord, thank you for the uh, how and his testimony. Lord, I, I know I probably did offend him or the gospel offended him. He didn't go to church for another year. But I thank you for who he is today in Christ Jesus. And Lord, help us to be faithful. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.